Welcome to another episode of the View Charlotte Real Estate and Entertainment Podcast. My name is Jeremy Orden, one of the partners with the Orden Writer Group at Allen Tate. Each week we will break down a real estate topic, share stories related to the topic, or have guests with experience in various facets of real estate, and then discuss something about our city that makes it unique. This could be restaurants, things to do, fun facts, or well, virtually anything about Charlotte because Charlotte is such an amazing city with limitless opportunities. The idea of continuing to educate our clients to the real estate market so they can make the best decision for their family is a commitment we stand behind, and hopefully each of these episodes will leave at least a little pearl of wisdom with our listeners. Let's get started. For this episode, I'm joined by one of my most trusted partners, Miss Lindsay Goings with Movement Mortgage. Lindsay has been a partner and a friend of mine for years and has helped literally hundreds of our team's clients purchase their home. Lindsay is known for her amazing customer service, deep knowledge with decades of experience in the mortgage industry, and her incredible follow-up, ensuring a smooth process. Lindsay, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Jeremy. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here today. Before we get into today's topic, I wanted to share a quick story that I often share with my clients. When my wife and I were purchasing our new home several years ago, you did our loan. The process was obviously super smooth. However, three days before closing, I was reviewing our closing disclosure and I saw our title insurance fee. I called you in a traditional Jeremy frenzy because we just hadn't budgeted for this additional line item. You answered my call, listened to my one minute, we'll call it a freak out, and then calmly said, that was already in your quote, nothing has changed. Do you remember this call? Yes, of course I do. You know, I get many of those every single day. So I always go back to this story when I'm discussing things with clients because this is what I enjoy the most about working with you, that there's no surprises. Even for someone like me who looks at as many loan documents as I do, Everything was right there in front of me. You had already factored that in, and it was just my simple oversight that I didn't look at each line item leading up to closing. And I always refer to this story when describing the process of working with you because it's super smooth and there's no surprises. You know, I um, personally have been doing mortgages for 16 years in the Charlotte area. I'm licensed in North and South Carolina. And for me, the things that I've learned over the few years that I've been in this industry is I hate surprises too. I do not like it when something comes up at the end. You know, it's not a lot of time to fix or change things. So I've learned in my career that it's really important that I tackle all of the fees, make sure everything is correct up front when I'm giving an initial quote to a buyer. I always like to kind of quote a little high and be a little conservative when it comes to numbers as well. So that way in case there are any um, or in case there are any unexpected expenses, we have the room to factor those in. So today we're going to be completing the last installment in our first time home buyer February series. And I thought it was important to have somebody talk about what's likely the scariest part for a first-time homebuyer, and that's the loan. You've worked with more first-time homebuyers on the loan side than anyone else I know, so who would be a better guest to have for this topic than you? 
you know, Jeremy, you make me feel really good, but I do love first time home buyers. I remember myself when I bought my first home. It was such a great experience. I had no clue what was going on. I trusted the people, my realtor and my lender, and they got me to the closing table. So I take my job very seriously in what I'm doing, the information and knowledge and education that I'm providing to the buyer, as well as just like being their best friend, being a comfort for them that when they don't understand what's going on, I can try to break it down in terms that they will understand. I'm glad that you brought up terms because let's go ahead and and tee things off with some basic terminology for our audience to, you know, learn about the entire loan process. You are a loan officer, right? What's a loan officer? Yes, I am a senior loan officer. (laughs) Um, A loan officer is someone who reviews a new buyer's information, their credit, their income, and their assets, and then they'll issue a pre-approval They're responsible for quoting interest rates and payments, loan programs, funds due at closing, and then getting you to the closing table. So what we call contract to close. So I think you kind of just answered my next question about what's the role of a loan officer originator in the home buying process. I like to say I'm the buyer's best friend. I'm the person that you're going to tell all your deep, dark secrets to, and then I decide what we have to tell the underwriter or not. The underwriter doesn't need to know every single thing. Um, We have to follow underwriting guidelines, but, you know, I tell people, don't hide things from me. I want you to tell me everything. For example, I had a buyer get the loan approval from the underwriter, and then they resigned. And I was like shocked (laughs) or, you know, someone may have like $5,000 under their mattress and then they want to put it in their bank account. You know, there are some major things that can cause, you know, us to have to jump through a lot more hoops. Whereas if you bring these items up to me before you do them, I can tell you if you should do them or not and if it will hurt us in the loan process. I love the way that you describe that and... The thing that really jumps out at me is that you really do become that best friend advisor to your clients throughout the process. I know when I personally worked with you, there was complete transparency and it was a little bit intimidating to have somebody like review our financials and look at all this information, but it's a non-judgmental process. Where do you think that comes from? So... I'm here to help you and I love helping everyone from a first time home buyer who had a medical injury and has medical collections on their credit and their credit score could be lower or had a tough time in their past where they lost a job and were unable to keep up all their bills to someone, you know, who makes a a great income and has fabulous credit and 20% to put down, you know, every buyer has their own unique story to tell. And I'm here to help you fit into a loan program that's best for your financial needs and for your future. And buying a home is the largest purchase you'll ever make. It's the only thing that you can buy that will make you money for the most part. So when I'm taking my job and what I do every day, I look at it as someone who can give you ideas or tips and tricks. So if you're not ready to be pre-approved right now, I'm not just going to say no and hang up the phone and move on. I'm going to tell you, hey, this is where you're at now. If you do these things, this is what you can do to improve your situation. And I'll also tell you what's holding us back from getting pre-approved if we can't do it now. I look at life as like a journey. So for example, I'm 41 years old and I bought my first home when I was 25. Um, And 
and I think about, you know, what I know now compared to what I knew then, where I am financially now compared to where I was then. Like everybody is in different stages of life. So if it takes you one to two to three years to get pre-approved to buy a home, then that's fantastic because it's a very short amount of time in the grand scheme of life. And buying a home should be on everyone's, you know, bucket list because it's owning your own slice of the pie. It is, you know, showing all of your hard work and culmination to have a safe place to be at night um, for you and your family. I just feel so passionate about what I do and the change that I help make in people's lives to build wealth and, you know, to just have a place where they feel safe. I could listen to you talk about this all day long because I think the passion really comes out. One of the things that people talk about is the mortgage processor and the underwriter. And I think that these are always the people behind the curtain. So can you explain what a mortgage processor and an underwriter do? Yeah, that's a great question. So a lot of times people will say to me, well, I'm talking to a lot of people in this process. And I tell them, okay, your loan officer is your salesperson. That's me. So I'm helping you get the sale of the home under contract, right? I'm helping you find a home as far as like financially, like what's your budget? What's the rate? What's the payment? Jeremy's going to find the house. When you find a house you want and you make an offer on the home and it gets accepted, you and the seller have agreed to terms, Jeremy sends me the contract and that's where the real work begins. So I um, get your loan ready to submit to underwriting. I have a great team that helps me. Um, Brittany or Will is who you will also be dealing with in order for us to get all your paperwork together to go to underwriting. But I have done a pre-approval for you, so I've already reviewed the major documents, like your income and your assets, so we know that the underwriter will approve you. So once it goes from me, it goes to an underwriter. The underwriter is the actual person that approves or denies your loan. All loans are approved with conditions. Conditions are things like the appraisal. An appraisal is what helps determine your home's value. So if you go under contract for a house that's priced at 300000 the house has to appraise. The value, meaning what the homes are selling for around it, has to be at least 300000 Then other conditions are like the title work. The title work is clearing off the current owner of the home on record on the deed and then putting the lien holder, me, and you on the deed or title. Then we also have home insurance. Just like you have car insurance, you have home insurance. So we help you shop around for that. You can use whatever company you want for that. Those are standard conditions that every single loan will have. Then it goes into a little bit more deeper loan conditions. Like there could be something that's on your credit that the underwriter has a question about. You could have opened up a new debt and we have to document it. There can be large deposits going into your bank account that are not your paycheck. We're going to source those. A large deposit is typically considered something that's over 1% of the price of the home. So, you know, I could literally go on and on with the rules of loans. It will like make your head spin and make you turn the podcast off. But the major thing that you need to know is that we know the rules and we help you fit in them. So I and my assistant, Brittany or Will, are always here to answer questions. But the really cool thing about using me for your loan is my loan processor will actually be the one emailing you. So once the loan's approved by an underwriter, which you'll never talk to the underwriter, thank goodness, 
um, the loan processor emails you and say, hey, here's what else we need. And then they'll email you a list of everything. You can call and talk to them. You can call and talk to me or Brittany or Will. And we'll be able to walk you through what those conditions are. But for me, having the processor reach out to you, the client, is so much more efficient than a back and forth between the processor and assistant me, then back to the processor. So it's a lot more streamlined this way. Once you've satisfied all the conditions... The loan goes back to an underwriter and they sign off on the conditions. And then basically we're just waiting for closing or for the title work. We typically get the loan clear to close, which is like the, you know, yay, celebratory moment, you know, typically about one to two weeks before closing. And this is a very unique thing with my company, Movement Mortgage, and with my team specifically. We are Johnny on the spot. We do not like to wait until the end to solve issues. We like to get things in, get things going. And usually we're waiting around for the client to provide us what we need. So, um, you know, if you want to know that everything's okay on your loan, you should get your documents in as soon as possible. So I think you just answered also my next question, which is the loan process. So when I'm working with clients, I always tell them that the first step in that loan process is to go to lindsaygoings.com and start their application process. And I know from personally going through this that it's really quick and easy and that most of my clients can complete it in about 10 minutes. Yeah, I mean, depending on your scenario, if it's one or two buyers on the application, because you can fill out a joint application, I would say it takes anywhere from 10 to 20 minutes. Um, The application is very simple. It's asking you what's your name, social, birth date, address, how long have you lived there, where do you work? We are looking for a two-year history of address and a two-year work history. You don't have to have been in the same job for two years, but we have to go back at least two years of working. Um, And then depending on if you're self-employed or working for an employer, that will tee up what documents we need. So for example, if you work for an employer, we need 30 days of pay stubs and two years, two most recent years of W-2s. If you get out, um, if you get bonus, commission, overtime, income that's not a guaranteed pay like hourly or salary, then we may ask you for like your December pay stubs from the years prior 2021 and 2022 now technically. So if you're self-employed, we're usually looking at two years of income taxes. And now is a great time if you are self-employed to go ahead and apply before you file 2022 taxes. Because if you claimed a little less um, for whatever reason, then we could, you know, potentially file 2022 to help you get qualified for the house that you're looking for. And what exactly does this initial application enable you to do for them? This is really, you know, the magic sauce, so to say. I, throughout the years, have encountered people calling me up that said, I literally had this call two weeks ago and I felt so terrible for this poor woman who was so distraught on the phone with me. She said, I got a pre-approval letter from a lender. I went under contract. I paid my due diligence money, which, by the way, is not refundable for any reason. And now the lender can't do my loan. And I said, well, what happened? She was like, I work for my husband and he's self-employed. Well, when you work for a family member, we have to have a certain amount of history for working with that family member. There's all these different rules. And I said, well, didn't he 
collect your documents up front because when I look at the pay stubs, we're Googling the employer. We're diving deep into your information on the upfront pre-approval. And so what ended up happening is, is that, you know, she can't qualify. I can't do the loan and she lost her due diligence money, but even worse, she lost the house that she wanted to buy. So for me, people may say, well, Lindsay, it's so tedious getting you all these documents up front. I'm like, I will not issue a pre-approval letter without your income documents. Your bank statements are important, but usually if something comes up on them, there are ways to get around it. We like to have everything we can up front, but I must have income documents before I'll issue a pre-approval. So once you apply, you upload your documents, we review it quickly, let you know what else is needed, and then I call you with a personal review. We go through your credit in detail, your debts. I talk to you about your income, how much money you have to put down. Then I put you in a loan program. We talk about different ones you may qualify for, what the interest rates are, what the payments are, how much you'll need at closing. So after you and I talk, you have a very good description or knowledge, you know, to empower you to now go and buy a home. So I'm issuing a pre-approval letter and Jeremy is off to the races to find you a house. So we talked about the pre-qualification letter. Um, can you describe for our audience really what that pre-qualification letter means in the home buying process? Well, you know, you hear people use the terms pre-qualification and pre-approval letter a lot. They're kind of interchangeable. Years ago, like probably 10 years ago, there was this big thing where everyone was talking about, I can do a pre-approval letter, not a pre-qualification letter. But really, they're the same thing. It's all about... Like if you have a pre-approval letter right now and you did not provide any income documents to your lender, then you should apply with me or call your lender and provide your income documents. The fact that they're not asking for them to me is a red flag. Um, there is no way I'm going to issue a pre-approval letter and then can't get that buyer to the closing table. But technically, um, it's basically enabling you to go and shop for a home and make an offer on a home. You have to have a pre-approval letter Unless you're paying cash for a house, you have to have a pre-approval letter to make an offer. In my experience, buyers and really especially first-time home buyers are really reluctant and intimidated to fill out that application to get pre-approved. I always make the correlation like, you know, when I'm checking out at the grocery store, I insert my credit card and it says processing. There's that little moment in my heart where I'm like, I know I'm nowhere near like not qualifying for this like $7 sandwich. But there's that little heartbeat race of, is this going to go through? And I think that's what buyers experience. So why do you think buyers are so intimidated about filling out the application to get pre-approved? You know, I think that fear leads us in a lot of different ways in our lives. And I try to tell my buyers, do not let fear make any decisions for you in this. There should be no fear in you filling out an application because I am going to be patient and kind and understanding to you. I am going to tell you what the deal is. Even if I cannot approve you right now, I'm going to tell you what you need to do. You will not walk away from my conversation without a task or an, a, a game plan of how you can try to move forward no matter what your situation is, no matter if you're not paying your bills on time right now. I'm going to be like your credit mom and I'm going to give you a little chastising, but only out of love because I want you to make a change and get excited about it and you know become in control of your 
finances. You know, when you're out of control, you're scared, you're nervous. When you're in control, you're confident. Even if you're not ready now, I can help give you confidence in what you need to do to get there. And then it'll be up to you to do it. I am here available for you to check in anytime or ask me any questions. I always encourage people, you know, I've had people that I've told what to do and it took them three years to buy. And that was honestly the the most fulfilling, you know, client for me is someone that isn't ready now that I can help get there. I always tell my clients about what a super easy and quick process it is working with you and how it's also really non-judgmental. You know, they don't need to share their financial situation with me because those are things I may not need to know as their agent, but especially working with you, they need to be transparent because we're really partnering in order to enable them to complete their purchase. And I, I just think that you do such an amazing job especially with those people who need to do a little work in order to come up with a game plan in order to purchase. And I just, I need to tip my cap if I was wearing one right now to you for coming up with those game plans and going, if you do these three things over this next time period, you're going to be able to purchase. You know, it's so funny that you say that. I think back to when I was a brand new loan officer at Bank of America and I was really young, like 24 maybe, 23, 24, and I had no clue what I was doing. None, zero. I probably didn't even know like the general terms, let alone different loan programs, all the underwriting guidelines for each program. It's so insane. I say that's why I still am doing the same job 16 years later is because I'm so challenged every single day and I love it. And the buyers, I absolutely love my buyers. But you know, even the very first phone call, the very first pre-approval that I did, and I called the buyer up and I really didn't even know what to say. You know, they gave me their information. I pulled their credit. I knew their income. You know, I talked to my um, partner, loan officer, just to say, can we do it? (laughs) And when I called them up, I didn't know what to say. And you know what I started out with? I said, well, we've pulled your credit and your three scores are this and we use the middle one. So this is your credit score. And so that's how I still start off every single conversation with buyers today is let's start from the basics. Here's your credit scores. And another loan officer came up to me a few months later and he had been there for a long time. And he said, you know, you don't have to tell people their credit scores. And I thought to myself, no, you might not have to, but I'm lending and it's still mind blowing to me that people still to this day do not give people their credit scores and go through their information. That's where I uncover so much. Like, for example, you've got a new car and I see the inquiry on your credit report or you've paid something off. So I like to just start from basics on every single person. That's how I ensure a smooth process in the end is by taking the time to go through your information up front and to uncover any potential issues that could come up later. Now that we've identified the terminology that we're going to be referencing, let's really jump into this first time homebuyer program. Since you're the expert in this field, what types of programs do you like to recommend for our first-time homebuyers? So typically a first-time homebuyer is, um, unless you're a veteran, you know, because there is a loan specific to veterans, which is a fabulous loan. So if you're a veteran, I would run to my website right now and apply because it is an awesome loan. Um, But typically we're putting a a first-time homebuyer in an FHA or a conventional loan, depending on your debt compared to your income, also um, depending on what your credit score is. But I would say, you know, most likely 
FHA or conventional. With those two programs, um, you are putting a down payment down. And I know that there is another loan program called USDA. USDA is for homes that are located in rural areas. Um, The hardest part about USDA today, we did so much USDA prior to the last like year or so is with the slightly higher interest rates that we're dealing with in today's market it's causing your debt to income ratios to be higher and usda is very strict on debt to income ratios a lot of our first-time home buyers look for help with things like closing costs simply because of the out-of-pocket expenses or putting more money down towards their down payment Yeah, I mean, definitely there are ways that we can try to get you assistance. Um, There are down payment assistance programs out there for first-time homebuyers in North and South Carolina. Also, Jeremy is very, very good um, at trying to see if we can get some seller-paid closing costs. Um, Because when you do buy a home, there's a down payment and there's closing costs. That's not the same thing. They're two separate things. Um, But yes, the seller is able to pay closing costs as well. Why don't you describe what the typical closing costs associated with a transaction are for our audience? Yeah, so there's no like easy way to calculate closing costs as far as to say, oh, the closing costs are 2% or 3% of the price. Because most of the closing costs that you have is a fixed cost. Like my lender fee is fixed no matter what the price of the home is. Um, Also, a closing attorney's fee is fixed no matter what the price of the home is. So typically, I would say that for a home price around $300,000 to $400,000, and it's an existing home, not new construction. Your closing costs are probably going to range between seven to um, seven to eight thousand dollars. If you go up higher, like five or six hundred thousand, they'll be a little bit higher, maybe like ten. And then if you're lower, but you know, like two hundred to two fifty, you're probably looking at like sixty five hundred in closing cost. The big thing is, and I think this is the misconception for a lot of people, is that. The closing costs are really the transactional fees that the buyer has from funding their escrows, those attorney fees, any lender fees. However, by getting seller paid closing costs, they're really able to finance these in order to reduce that out-of-pocket expense, right? You're exactly right. So let's say that you found a house you love. The listing price on the home is 300000 It's a great house, so you know it could go quick. Well, then you might have to bid 300 or potentially even higher to ask the seller to pay some closing costs. Because if you're the seller and you know you have a good house, you're not going to take a low, you know, a lower offer like 290000 and ask or and pay six or $7,000 in closing costs. So that's where Jeremy and his expertise really comes into play because he is the one who'll be able to navigate you on, hey, how can we get the seller to pay closing costs and get the house? I always describe it to, you know, my clients in the terms of net to seller, like try to have them put themselves specifically in the position of the seller. So if we use your example of a house that is $300,000 to a seller, if they get an offer of 300000 or if they get an offer of 310000 with $10,000 of seller paid closing costs, they're still getting the same $300,000 net to seller. Really, it just comes down to making sure that we have things like the appraisal covered in that because, of course, in scenario number two, the house does have to appraise at that $310,000. Yes, exactly. And honestly, you are 
fabulous at knowing what the house is going to appraise for, like the comparable sales that are out there and analyzing them compared to the house. So you know, hey, we have room to ask for, you know, extra closing costs into the price of the home to ask for a higher price of the home. So when you come to me and you have an offer, I never really worry about it being, you know, over the top, something that's not going to appraise. So let's get back to our general Charlotte market. Are there any Charlotte-specific programs that are available for first-time homebuyers? Yes, there is a great program that is called House Charlotte. House Charlotte is if the home is located within city limits. There's actually a map on their website if you were to go online and Google it. Now, the down payment assistance programs, they're uh, eligible neighborhoods, all City of Charlotte neighborhood profile areas. The maximum total price is 300000 for an existing home or 315000 for new construction. So we cannot go over those prices. It's awesome because they give up to 30000 on one program depending on your income or also up to 10000 if your income's a little higher. They go off 100% of the median income um, for the $10,000, uh, up to 110% actually of the median income. So for example, for a household of four, you could have 103600 as your total household income and qualify. Or to get the $30,000 um, for a family of four, it would your income would need to be 73350 or less. My advice is don't worry about these numbers. You come to me, tell me that you're looking for how Charlotte funds, and I'll let you know how much we can qualify for. I had all these questions for you about like restrictions and eligibility, and like you just nailed all those right on that question. So really, how much could somebody expect to save by partnering with you and utilizing some of these programs in Charlotte? Well, I mean, up to $30,000 in assistance, and we can use those funds to pay for closing costs. Now, when you talk about eligibility, the... How Charlotte, if you're buying an existing home, will do their own home inspection. And they can be particular. So um, whenever we're going, and that's why working with Jeremy is going to be key in this, because he's going to let the listing agent know, hey, this is a House Charlotte down payment assistance program. So we're prepping the seller. There may need to be some small items repaired if we need to. So let's shift to one of our quickest growing areas, Rock Hill. I know that you and I have spoken extensively about the incentive program that's available down there, right? Yes. Yeah, so um, there is a first-time homebuyer program. Through this program, the Housing Develop- Development Corporation of Rock Hill provides down payment and closing cost assistance of up to $5,000 to eligible first-time homebuyers. So when buyers are looking at these types of programs, I always say they constantly change I don't keep up with all of the incentive programs because I partner with you. So I always say they're constantly changing. You need to have that discussion with Lindsay. How do you stay up to date on all the changes and incentive programs that are available for first-time homebuyers? Many of these programs offer additional training. How Charlotte, I have to do an annual training as well as um, they just had a program change. They have an online seminar that you attend. So I always try to make sure I'm staying abreast of everything. In general, when we're talking about first-time homebuyers, I've always found that you do such an amazing job of really taking the fear out of the loan process and really educating them to the entirety of the home buying process. 
Why do you like working with first-time homebuyers so much? You know, buying a home, like I said earlier, is so exciting and that feeling of like accomplishment when you walk in your home by yourself and you've closed. I want to give that to people. I love that feeling when it happened to me and I want to be able to replicate that in others. I think that the loan process is so intense that when you're with me, you just do exactly what I say and I'll get you to closing. So if I say pay your credit card down to a $20 balance, you don't pay your credit card off. You pay it to $20. You don't do anything extra. You just do exactly what I say because the reason why I say things, there's a reason. Um, There's a point behind it. So I think that For me, I control this process. I have got it wrangled up. I am here in control. The loan is not controlling me. Um, Therefore, you and Jeremy, you know, you do not have to worry as a realtor for that buyer that I'm not going to get it to the closing table. If we do encounter an issue, the first person I'm going to call is the buyer. The second person I'm going to call is you, Jeremy, because we're going to solve the issue together. Well, the good news is I've received very few phone calls over the years saying that there's problems because I think you just do such a great job on the front end of everything. Are there any other programs that you can think of that buyers should be aware of when they're purchasing their first home? Yeah, so let's say that your debt-to-income ratios are a little high. You have a car payment, maybe a couple credit cards and a loan, and then you want to buy a decent home, which nowadays costs a little bit more. So your debt-to-income ratios are higher. Well, like I said earlier, there's a loan program called FHA that's really awesome with having higher debt-to-income ratios. And I don't know if you've heard, but um, there has been a recent change with FHA that's coming out soon where they're lowering the PMI. So you pay PMI when you don't put 20% down and FHA is lowering it 30 basis points. So on a $300,000 loan amount, that's going to lower your payment by $75 a month, which is fabulous. We are so excited that FHA is doing this and committed to helping buyers lower their monthly payments. Um, So I would say I do a lot of FHA. When your ratios are higher, you're not going to qualify for down payment assistance. So you may have to put your own money down and that is 3.5% down. Right now is a great time if you get a tax refund to save some of that and use that towards your down payment. You can take a loan or do a 401k withdrawal for your down payment. Um, You know, there are times as well where a gift is acceptable from a family member. But like I said, talk to me about before you put any money that's not your paycheck in the bank. I love that you just brought up the tax refund because you and I recently had a client and You were working with them, they started working on their taxes, and you let them know exactly how to allocate their tax refund in order to improve their credit, which ultimately ended up saving them significant money on their monthly payment because their credit improved, they were able to get into a different loan product, and you really just coached them on the entire process on how to get the best loan and how to utilize funds that were coming back to them. So I just, I I can't you know, sing your praises high enough. I really appreciate that, Jeremy. I mean, even if your credit score is a 720, which is great, 
and I can get you to a 760 to get you slightly lower PMI on a conventional loan, I'm going to tell you what to work on. I really love educating people no matter where you're at, if you're financially savvy or not. You know, I am going to try to give you any tidbit of information and education to help your financial scenario. I want to go back to FHA for a moment because I think over the last couple of years, there's been a lot of inexperienced agents who really shunned FHA loans for a variety of reasons. But like you said, it's an excellent loan product and helps open up the dream of home ownership to a larger audience. I was going to ask you to describe the difference between a conventional loan and an FHA loan. But before we go into that, why don't you first describe what a conventional loan is? So a conventional loan is actually the most widely used loan in America. With a conventional loan, we typically want your credit score to be 680 or higher, or sometimes buyers may have sold a home and have a lot of money to put down and their credit scores are lower, but they have over 20% to put down, we'll do a conventional loan. Conventional is just basically a loan for someone who has a little money to put down. The minimum down for a first-time home buyer is 3% down, and whose debt-to-income ratios are pretty good, as well as a, a good, a, a, you know, an, a, a slightly higher than average credit score. And so a conventional loan compared to an FHA loan, the main differences are, FHA is more flexible with qualifying. So FHA goes down to a 580 minimum credit score, whereas conventional is a minimum of 620, but you don't always get approved with the lower credit score with a lower down payment on conventional, just to throw that out there. But um, FHA charges a 1.75 upfront mortgage insurance premium. So it's a small premium that's tacked on the back of the loan, and that helps keep FHA in business. Um, with FHA, um, you also have that monthly PMI that is a set rate. It doesn't change based on uh, your debt to income ratios or credit score, whereas conventional, the PMI is based on down payment and your debt to income ratios. So it's just different qualifying. Sometimes you will have a lower payment on FHA than you will conventional based on your credit score and debt to income ratios. So bringing it full circle, when we were talking about some of these incentive programs, how do incentive programs work with either an FHA or a conventional loan? So you can apply both of them. The thing is, is that whenever you have a down payment assistance program, it's a second mortgage, okay? Even though you're not making a payment on it, it's still a second lien. So I'm the first lien, your first mortgage, where we give you the majority of the money to buy the house. Then your down payment assistance program is a second mortgage. So with the second mortgage, you have a higher risk. Because the loan compared to the value of the home is over 100%. So sometimes a 720 credit score buyer, which is great credit again, cannot get approved with the down payment assistance because the total loan to value is over 100. So the automated underwriting system that we run the loan through doesn't like that. So what ends up happening is, is that, you know, with the 760 or 740, most likely the down payment assistance will work with a conventional loan. Um, but it's just a matter of, you know, plugging in all your information, running it through and letting you know. But FHA will approve the down payment assistance um, added to that with the higher loan to value. It's a lot more flexible with qualifying. I mean, anyone who knows me knows, like, I love data. I love learning about all of this because in addition to, I think, making me a better, more informed agent, 
I just, you know, they're fun facts. So I can listen to you talk about this for hours. I just really appreciate you taking the time to describe all of these different options to our audience. Oh, no, I'm so happy to share. I, you know, do sometimes, I think, take my knowledge for granted, but I always try to give it back as much as I can. It is so much I'm still learning every day at my job. I come up against scenarios and I'm like, how in the world am I still learning something when I've been an astute student of this trade for almost two decades? And that's why I love it. I love the buyers. I love that everyone's financial picture is unique. And I love helping fit you in this crazy, you know, square hole of a loan guideline. So um, I'm so happy to be here. I hope that this helps people, you know, encourage them to apply and see where you're at today. And, you know, hopefully we'll be getting them in some homes soon. Well, let's talk about that for a moment. So let's say I'm a hypothetical home buyer who's looking at buying in two or three years. I might be waiting for you know, my child to get older and I want school assignments for them or I'm waiting for my kids to leave the house. If something is two or three years away, should I reach out to you now in order to start working on this process and learning about what I need to do? Yes, there is no time to wait. I mean, honestly, the only person I would say you may want to wait is if you have no job and don't want to have a job. <laughs> because we do need income to get you qualified, but there's no reason to wait. Even if you think that your lease is up in eight months, so you want to wait closer to that, no. The time to apply is now. People will say, well, I don't want to get my credit checked. It will cause my score to drop. So this is a great topic. The credit scores that you see online like at Credit Karma, CreditWise, even if you go directly to Equifax, TransUnion, or Experian, those are all a consumer-based credit score. You know, eight years ago, seven years ago, we couldn't find our credit score anywhere. You could only get your credit score when you applied for something. Now it's a whole industry that is making millions of dollars a year providing you this kind of quote-unquote great, you know, credit, inflated credit score. They're not providing you any debt. They're not lending you any money. So they inflate your score. So you keep clicking on the app or clicking on the website. So that has them um, getting more advertising dollars. That's how they're making money is based on how many people visit the site. So it is absolutely fabulous that you can go online and check your credit score. You should definitely sign up for free credit monitoring because if someone steals your identity, you know about it. You know about it right away so you can figure out, you know, freeze your credit or figure out what's going on before an account's opened and late payments are are paid on your credit because that can really take a lot of time to fix. But as far as looking on that credit score, that's not the score that I'm going to pull. We're lending you a large long-term debt. So the score that we pull is going to be more based on those factors And so it can sometimes be a little higher than what you see, a little lower or the same. But I always tell people don't rely on that as a reference for your mortgage score. All mortgage companies use the same scoring model. So if you had your credit pool with me or someone else, it's going to be the same credit score. Um, But one inquiry only impacts your credit score like two to three points. And then it goes away after four months as far as you'll still see it when you're looking on those websites at your credit that there was an inquiry, but it's not impacting your actual credit score after four months. So it's really important that you apply now early before you're even thinking about buying a home. So then you know, A, how much money do I need to have saved up? Because even when we're using these assistance programs, you're still going to have to have some money. B, what can I qualify for? You know, I have 
heard and talked to so many people who said, oh, I was out looking for this beautiful home that costs 450000 Then I quote them a payment. And they're like, oh, that's way over my budget. And I said, okay, what's your budget? They give me a payment. I say, okay, you should be looking at 300000 But now they have that beautiful $450,000 home in their mind that they wanted. So I like to do the pre-approval before you ever even look at a home because then I'm telling you what your budget is and you're not looking at something that's $100,000 or $50,000 more than what you want to afford. Lindsay, this is amazing. I, I could sit here and listen to you talk about this for hours. I, I love meeting with people who are truly experts in their field, but also are just so passionate about this because I learned so much and I think that passion comes across and it just shows why you're so good at what you do. I already mentioned your website at lindsaygoings.com, but are there any other references that you think would be beneficial to people to utilize to learn more about the mortgage process or working with first-time homebuyers? You know, that's a great point that you bring up. I love that you love listening to me too, by the way. (laughs) You're just fun. Like this is, what a great way to start my day. Oh, awesome. Awesome. I'm happy. I am happy to be here. So HUD actually, which is um, the housing and urban development, it's like the government um, section for housing for consumers. They have HUD approved counselors. So you could Google like HUD approved counselors in your area and most of it's free. I mean, for the most part, and they actually do home buying counseling. So they're going to get even a little bit more in depth than I will and like go through a budget. So if you're having problems like struggling, um, not saving any money. They're going to help you like take your net pay minus your expenses, see what everything's going to so that you can see where you can carve out how you can save money, which is a great, um, you know, knowledge for you to have is to be able to save. I mean, it's a lost art these days in this country. We are, you know, living in a world of consumerism where we're taught to spend every dime we have um, with all the stuff that we have. But I think that learning how to save is such a um, consequential trait to have and for you to teach your kids as well. But I recommend, you know, trying to look up your local HUD um homeownership counselor um and then you know take some classes there you're amazing i mean i just i can't thank you enough for taking the time to be my guest today and wrapping up this first time home buyer series that we've been doing this month was this as painful as you thought it would be no it's been great it's been really fun it gets me like excited about my job not that i'm not but you know sometimes between the calls and texts and emails you can get you know kind of overwhelmed like because I want to help everyone and get back to everyone but you know it just gets me you know my my engines racing on why I do this and I I loved being here I'm so thankful that you had me Jeremy and would you be open to coming back and having other conversations with me about different parts of the mortgage process yeah I would love to you just let me know when perfect well you're the best thank you so much to our audience for joining us and please stick around for this week's entertainment topic Oftentimes for our entertainment topic, I like to feature different trade partners who can talk about their business and why they decided to start a company in our metropolitan area. I'm extremely excited for today's guest. For this episode, I'm joined by one of our team's most reliable contractor partners, Caleb Doyle. Caleb is the owner and proprietor of Upgraded Charlotte Kitchen Cabinet Refinishing. Caleb and I worked together on my kitchen update, and I was so impressed by his work quality as well as his professionalism that he instantly became one of my go-to recommendations for clients looking to spruce up their home. 
I can personally attest that Caleb is punctual, professional, and a pleasure to work with. I'm extremely excited to not just discuss his company, but the idea of updating a home without doing anything destructive with him. Mr. Caleb Doyle, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks, Jeremy. So before we jump in, I want to give some background on how you and I came to work together. My wife and I have a home that was new construction. However, it was a spec home. So the builder had gone ahead and picked out all of the finishes. Cabinets, flooring, and tile were all selected. So even though it was new construction, we weren't involved with any of the selection process. While I loved the home and I thought it was very contemporary as far as the finishes go, for what I consider to be something very like on trend, like we had gray cabinets in the kitchen, my wife despised them. She thought that they always looked green in certain times of day and that the kitchen just was dark. We have a lot of experience on our team with painting cabinets. We do it with a lot of our listings. However, I know that this is more of a temporary approach versus having new cabinets or using an approach that gets as close as possible to a factory finish. So obviously, we weren't going to replace the cabinets just from a cosmetic aspect. Hence, you and I coming into relation with one another. To get started, would you say that your typical clients were people like us who are looking for that cosmetic upfit? Or are you normally working with people dealing with an older product? Yeah, great question. Uh, really, it's both. Um, I, I get phone calls all the time uh, from people all around the area that are that have older cabinets. Uh, they're in terrible shape, and they're really wanting to know what, what they can do with them. Uh, and then also, I have people that, just like you, are uh, wanting to have a different look in the kitchen. You know, they just got a backsplash redone. They just got their countertops done. Um, and they don't want to replace the cabinets. They just want to uh, refinish them. And that's where I've come in to be able to, um, you know, connect with a broad range of customers who have um, things that they want to change in their kitchen and being a part of the being a part of the change. I mean, I can say from my own personal experience that the work that you did on our kitchen completely changed the feel of our kitchen and like our open entertaining spaces. I mean, I liked the gray. I thought it was very on trend, but with the outer like white cabinets and then the Navy Island, it just brightened up our home. I think what impressed me the most was just the feel of the cabinets. They don't feel like they were painted, but rather like a factory finish. Yeah, that's right. Um, so there's a lot of um, a lot of attention to detail that goes into each kitchen. Um, I mean, my my hands are literally touching every square inch of the doors to make sure that they're sanded properly, uh, that they're smooth. Um, and I really, I'm treating every home as if it's my own. And I want when people come in, if they're reaching up and they, you know, get in a glass out of the cabinet or opening up the drawer, um, to not think twice that these were refinished, um, that they were, you know, original to the home or that, you know, that you, you actually got brand new cabinets. I mean, that's ultimately Really what I want people to think is, wow, you did a kitchen renovation. It must have cost a fortune and you got brand new cabinets. Um, that's kind of, you know, that's I want everybody to have that that confidence in, in the product. So, yeah. I witnessed firsthand the detail that you put into our project. Can you describe for our audience really that attention to detail that's part of your approach that you were talking about? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think it's, uh, once again, it's putting yourself in the customer's shoes. Um, and knowing expectations. I don't think that um, anybody's going to meet your expectations if they don't know them. Um, and so my 
my approach is knowing the customer's expectations and then exceeding those. Uh, and so when it, when it comes to um, the little things, those matter the most, the little details, how, you know, like I said, I'm sanding every square inch of the doors. Um, I'm cleaning them, uh, getting any, you know, grease and use from over the years off of them. Um, and it's, it's those types of things that make the difference in the long run of the um, just of, of the, the wear and tear of your cabinets. As you and I have discussed, you know, with our team, we have had a lot of cabinets painted on our listings. If you have a home with older maple cabinets and we're going to list your home, we're often going to recommend having them painted to provide that update. Typically, we're seeing an ROI on our, from our sellers in that two to three times of the investment by having like the cabinets refinished and bringing it to a more contemporary look. Your approach isn't just basic painting that we've been doing, though, right? Yeah, my, my approach definitely isn't that basic. Um, you know, when you're looking at, you know, maple, it's a solid wood. Um, you're going to have a really good finish. Uh, and those are the ones that uh, are probably not that old, or if they are, they're easy to be updated. Um, so yeah, my, my approach isn't really towards the person that's trying to flip or the person that's trying to, um, you know, sell and try to get that return on investment. They, my customer is usually the one that, Hey, we're wanting to enjoy this. Um, and we want somebody that's going to come in and put as much attention to detail and be as meticulous as we would, we would be on our own, uh, on our own kitchen. I mean, I think that makes perfect sense. So let's take a broader view of updating a home um, versus your specific business. So after having personally gone through this project with you, I think like this project is something that a lot of our audience would really like to have done in their home. Like I said, there's a big difference between having your cabinets just painted and having them, let's call it refinished. Everything from feel to look to just having a higher end, longer term solution. We know that a kitchen remodel is a really expensive, intrusive, and timely project. Yet by working with what's there and just changing the color and the look and the feel, you're really able to achieve kind of a similar outcome. Absolutely. So um, I kind of, for everybody that's listening, kind of give you a little, a little cheat sheet here. So I work with a lot of different designers around the area. Um, and what they're doing really doesn't seem that crazy. I mean, I'm coming into a lot of projects where the backsplash was replaced um, and the countertops were replaced and sometimes the flooring, a lot of times not. Um, and so there's two things that were done. And then I come in after and refinish the kitchen cabinets. And just those three things, I mean, a lot of people think, is this even in our budget? Is this, you know, is this even gonna be worthwhile? Um, and it's just those three things. Yes, those are big ticket items, but still it's those three things that you're not destroying the entire, you know, kitchen for six months. It's not a full remodel like you would think. Um, it's just three, three things that will probably take roughly, you know, a, two weeks, two and a half weeks with, you know, templating and doing the backsplash. And then, you know, mine start to finish is, you know, typically around a week, but uh, it's those three things that can really be a simple turnaround for any homeowner in the area. So what type of homeowner would you recommend a refinishing job to versus going for, you know, a complete kitchen renovation? Yeah. So uh, for me, the customer would be somebody that is going to be in the home for a long time. 
um, or just wants to enjoy it. You know, I, I think the kitchen for a lot of people is very much like a living room. It's a space that you want to be happy in. You want to be joyful in. Um, it's where a lot of conversations are had. Um, it's, it's, where, it's where, honestly, it's where a lot of people feel safe in their home. I know it's what I, it's, it, you know, you're like, well, let me think about it. No, it's, I feel safe in my kitchen because that's where even growing up, there are so many memories in the kitchen. And so people want that area to be vibrant and happy. And, you know, and that's, you know, that's what I get to do. I get to, um, help the homeowner that wants that feel in their kitchen actually attain it. I really love that approach, and I think it makes a lot of sense. You know, we recently looked at some statistics, whereas a kitchen remodel was returning between 50 to 80% ROI. However, I know from our experience that a refinishing or painting is returning between two to 300%. So obviously, one is more extensive than another. However, are there any products or clients that you would say that are not candidates for a refinishing and would really need to go the renovation route? Yeah, so if if the cabinets are really falling apart, you're looking in, you open up the doors. This is I've seen this a million times, and I'm you know, I, you know, it's I, I I know that their budget isn't there, and so they they just want it, you know, refinished. But when your when your uh, shelves in your cabinets are sagging, it's a good indication that they have seen their better days, um, and they need to probably be updated, um, and that's you know. I think that's what it comes down to. If the cabinets are in good shape and you got good bones, then guess what? We're going to keep them. We're going to, you know, refinish them and we're going to extend the life of the cabinets by doing so. And, you know, if, if your cabinets are falling apart, I think it would be best time to go ahead and replace them. And that's the thing that I, I know from having you meet with, you know, different clients of ours and work with them that I've really appreciated about you is that, even though, you know, by telling people you might need to replace cabinets, you're essentially saying, like, I'm not a good candidate for this job. You're just really honest and upfront. And it seems like you're looking out for the best interest of the customer. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, um, you know, I'm trying to run a business and, you know, my my reputation and, you know, my integrity go go on the forefront. Um, I, you know, starting out, I think a lot of my customers I got just because they were looking for somebody that they could trust in their house. Um, and you know, I, I got into a lot of different, um, you know, I got a lot of different connections just based on that one fact that, Hey, he's trustworthy, you know? And, and that's the thing. It's like, you know, I want people to genuinely, um, have the best, um, you know, the best experience with me and the best interaction. And I think being truthful and upfront and honest, you know, it, it goes a long way in a in a time where everybody's out to get you know make a dollar and get you. So let's shift our conversation slightly to bathrooms. Sure. I mean, we all know it's cliche to say that kitchens and bathrooms sell houses, but the fact of the matter is that kitchens and bathrooms sell houses. <laughs> Obviously, you're not creating a mega shower for clients, but what, in your opinion, can be the impact of people refinishing their bathroom cabinets? Yeah. So. Once again, it's uh, the simple changes that just make the overall feel of that area, you know, go up. Um, you know, if, if you're, you know, if you're in a house that has darker walls, and, and this is also a trendier feel, but I think a lot of people want their house to be a place of refuge. 
um, and want it to be a place of you know peace. And so when you when you go into a bathroom, you want the same thing. Just like I said a little a bit ago about you know your kitchen, you want that to be a, a place that you enjoy going to. Same thing with a bathroom. Um, you're in there taking a bath. You don't want to see dark, haughty wallpaper on the wall that's real busy. Uh, you want it to be you know relaxing. You want it to be just subtle. Um, it's a place where you can decompress a lot of times. And uh, and you know when you're looking over and you see these really dark cabinets or you know something that's just falling apart, it just I don't know. For me, it's it's kind of like you you it makes your life feel just a little bit more chaotic subconsciously. I think you know, and not to try to get into like the psychology of of why should I change my kitchen vanity <laughs> or my bathroom vanities, but I think that that goes into play in a lot of homes. Is like you know we want things that are gonna um, you know just give us help us rest, and when you know that there's you know, you got your vanities in your bathrooms have water stains all over them. They're 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 whelping and they're you know the, they're they're literally falling apart. Um, it's just kind of like oh man, here's another project that I got to do and I'm not don't have time for it. And you know, you bit, life's busy, and so it's you know you want to have those things, those little things. I know it's it's silly, but the little things that you can change in your home that can just kind of just I don't know, just overall it just helps helps your mood. I agree with that. Not just from, you know, the psychology aspect, but it's the little changes that you make to your house that can have the biggest impact on how you feel about it. Even just, you know, making it more contemporary. And, you know, I'll be the first to admit that I don't have a vision when it comes to color selections. Like every color swatch that I picked up for our cabinets, I was like, ooh, what about this one? And my wife either vetoed it or gave me a look that told me I was probably like the biggest <laughs> idiot in the world, right? Yeah. Like, I like having agreeable gray walls and more of that blank canvas type look. Yeah. You asked us about what we were going for and offered a few suggestions, which ultimately were the exact ones that we chose. How involved do you like to get with that selection process with your clients? So I, I like to tell my clients I don't want to be involved, and which is absolutely a lie. Um, I think I'm the kind of person who's like, no, nah, I don't care. But I really do because at the end of the day, um, I know, like once again, expectations. I've been doing this long enough that when I walk into a kitchen, I talk with a client, I talk with their wife, Jeremy, not even the husband. Most of the time I'm talking with the wife. I know their expectations and their husbands know their expectations too. A lot of times, um, and you know, wives are probably laughing, maybe the husbands too, but like, I know expectations. And so when I come in there, once again, I'm, I'm like, Hey, you may not want to do that. And just from my experience, I've put on, I mean, I've put a light lime green on a kitchen and I could not talk that lady out of it. I said, you are going to, she's like, I love this color. I got it in my wall in my bathroom and I want it on my kitchen and I put it on there and I walked away from that. And I was like, that is not going on Instagram. That is not going on (laughs) Facebook just because it was like the, there's nobody in the world that's going to, you know, this lady, heaven forbid, you know, you know, passes away. She sells the home. Somebody's going to look at that kitchen and be like, Oh my gosh, we're going to have to get new cabinets. And it's like, so for me, I want, I want to like get ahead of the game and say, Hey, listen, this might not be the best option. Uh, a house I literally did this past week. The guy brought in a uh, color that I felt was a little too dark. And I talked to him. I said, Hey, listen, let's put a piece of, let's just put this sample, just the little, the card up on the wall next to the cabinets. 
And so I just put it up on the wall. I said, you see how close it is to the wall color? I said, that is going to just make this whole room feel muddy. And it's just, you're not going to have any contrast. Um, and he's, you know, he's thought about it. He said, let me talk to my wife. Wife loved the idea. It's like, yeah, let's go a little lighter. So I did it a little lighter. I just saved them the, the heartache of saying, oh my gosh, we went too dark. Um, and that's, that's how involved I like to be. I just like to give options, say, hey, did you think about this? Did you think about this? You know, and, and ultimately, you know, find out who's really making the decision. I mean, for, for you, uh, I can make these suggestions to you, but I, ultimately I was making them to your wife without even having a conversation with her because I, I said, hey, these are some of the most popular colors that in an open floor plan, what colors, you know, that work the best. I mean, I think it's really, really great. And I love that you're keeping the choice ultimately up to the client, but you're really looking out for their investment. So I want to ask, how did you get started with this line of business? Yeah, so I actually uh, started out working with a uh, kitchen and bath company, um, just doing their their painting. Wasn't doing any type of kitchen cabinets, anything. And there was just a need for it. Um, because when it came to um, the painting that I was doing, it was like, you know, the lady was like, you're, you know, everything's like, I, I, deal, I dealt with customers that wanted like perfect lines on everything. And so, you know, and so I gave them perfect lines on everything. I'm talking like taped everything off, made it perfect because I knew their expectation. It goes back to that. Um, and there was a couple kitchen cabinets that they wanted done and they didn't have anybody to do it. And I said, well, I, I could do it. You know, I'm pretty, pretty good with, you know, detail. And so I fumbled my way. There's uh, actually a, a lady in the business that gave me a ton of pointers and she, and literally it was the coolest thing because she's in the business. I'm literally, I could be her competition and she's saying, I know you're, and she told me that she was like, I know you're not going to take any of my customers and I know that you're not that kind of guy. I'll help you and I'll tell you whatever you need to know. So I asked her every single question about painting cabinets and she told me everything. And now it's evolved through the years and I've changed a lot of things. Um, she still brushes and rolls the boxes and then sprays the doors off site. I do, I spray everything. So I spray the boxes um, and I spray the doors. So I've, I've deviated from what she's told me, but at the end of the day, I have, a, I, I feel like I have a different clientele now than she does because I've stepped into, um, you know, customers with like, with bigger projects. Like she'll do stuff that's, you know, 30 cabinet doors, maybe 40 at the most. And I, I will go well beyond that. Um, just because, you know, I don't, I don't mind the bigger kitchens. So that's, that's really how I got started. I just kind of fumbled my way through. I saw a need. Um, I saw the guys doing it and I was like, man, these are, these are paint companies. These are people that are literally on a, a house built in 1920 grinding paint off the wall. And then next week they're coming into your house to do a meticulous job on your cabinets. And I'm just like, there ain't no, there's no way that that, that guy that's, that's grinding on the side can go from, can be a professional in, in both things. Um, they're so different painting walls and painting cabinets, two different things. And I think that goes back to, um, what's the ideal customer, you know, with, with flips, what would they do if you're doing a flip and your money's the thing, call a paint company and they will, you know, spray it in the driveway. Uh, they'll spray it in your garage and they'll, it'll be painted cabinets 
Don't touch them. Don't mess with them. Be gentle on them until you move and let the next person deal with it. Um, but it, you know, and, and that's, that's not, that's really not where I've grown. I've grown into the customer that really wants to enjoy it, wants to, wants to know that, Hey, if somebody buys this home, cabinets aren't going to be an issue. They're, they're not going to call us back and be like, man, who did you use to paint your cabinets? These things are, you know, they're, they're worse than the ones we just moved out of. It's like, you know, I don't want that. So, so that's, I mean, that's how I started and that's kind of where, where, where I've been and where I'm going. I think it's really interesting because really we're talking about three different approaches to a kitchen. We're talking about the most basic cosmetic, which is painting, which is really a cosmetic solution, but more of that short term because it will chip and, you know, change over time. Then we're talking about your solution, which is total refinishing. It's getting as close as possible to that factory finish. And then there's the total gut and renovation, which is an extremely expensive and intrusive approach. So with your company, Upgraded Charlotte Kitchen Cabinet Refinishing, what services are you specifically offering? So it's a kitchen kitchen cabinet refinishing um, is, is pretty much it. Well, I mean, I'll do vanities and bathrooms, stuff like that, laundry rooms. Um, but any cabinetry that uh, needs to be refinished, that um, that you want to look just as amazing as as if you bought it brand new and had it installed. What areas are you servicing? Uh, so a lot of my business is um, South Charlotte. Uh, for viewers outside of Charlotte, you know, down into Fort Mill. Um, I've, I've gone as far as uh, Denver right there. Um, if anybody's familiar with that area uh, near, near, near the dam. I've done a couple jobs up there. And uh, yeah, I mean, I've ventured out as far as Weddington, Waxall. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm, I'll, I'll go all over. Um, uh, it just, a lot of times I'll, I'll venture out and go look at jobs and I just know that this, this customer is not the customer for me. Um, and so, you know, it's all over, um, uh, and no, no jobs too small. I mean, I'm, I'll, I'll look at anything and, and honestly, I've, I've talked with people and just given them advice. Say, Hey, listen, if this is what you're doing, this is what I think you should probably do. I think you'd be better off. Um, that way, you know, cause a lot of people, they're not sure. They're not, they're not in the business. Um, and you know, I'm not just saying, yeah, yeah, I'll take the job. I'll do it. And, you know, go on about my day. I want, I want people to say, okay, if I have another issue or if I have cabinets, I got to call this guy. And, um, and so, yeah, I mean, um, that's all over and I do whatever I can to help people. And where can our audience go to learn more information about your company or to schedule an appointment with you? Yeah, so um, it's it's a one-man show. Um, I tell people, you know, I try to post as often as I can on Instagram. Um, you know, after a uh, long, hard day and coming home to three little girls, posting on Instagram is not really <laughs> the first thing that comes to mind. Uh, same thing with Facebook. So those will go until somebody's like, do you have any work that you can show me? I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll put, I'll do a, a dump on Instagram tonight and just put everything on Facebook. Um, and then I'll, you know, find me upgraded Charlotte. Um, it's on Instagram, uh, Facebook as well. I think it's uh, facebook.com slash upgraded Charlotte or upgraded Charlotte.com. And what does it cost for somebody to have you come out and give an estimate on a project? Yeah. So estimates are free. Um, uh, you know, and a lot of times, Mine can be done over the phone. Um, I do like to meet customers because I think that's what sets me apart from the my competition. It's that when you see this guy that you can trust, you know, and 
and you know he he looks good. I mean, let's let's just say, Jeremy. I mean, I'm a good looking guy, um, but like <laughs> and when, humble <laughs> and humble, absolutely. Uh, no, but I, I think it's it's that. I mean, it's like okay, who am I trusting in my home? I want to see them before I say yes or no. And a lot of times, that's how I get a lot of my businesses because I have to see the cabinets. Um, there's certain people that you know. It's it's. I mean, realtors get it all the time. Oh, I've just moved into the area. It's like a spam, a scam call or text. It's like I need this. You know, it's like you get these all the time, and you're so you're like, okay, send me the pictures, and that's. But it's like, hey, I got your name from Jeremy, and is, can you look at my cabinets? Like, yes, absolutely. Now I, I know that here's somebody that's recommended me, and I want to make sure that the expectations from the start are, are very high and, you know, and, and that, um, that your customers and, and every customer, uh, feels, feels confident that this guy can get it done. One other thing that I want to mention is the workspace that you created for yourself in my house and that I've seen you do in other clients' houses. I mean, we kept talking about how you protected our floors and the way that you prepared our kitchen space the only way I can describe it is it was either like that, you know, mobile lab from Breaking Bad or like the Dexter murder room. But yeah. throughout the project, you know, you were doing all this extensive work and there was no mess that we saw. We worked in the house while you were doing the project. And with the exception of not being able to go into the kitchen for a couple of days, our lives continued as normal. Why do you yeah. think that this attention to detail that you do is so important? Yeah, I, I think... I think just being conscious of the homeowner, um, you know, I don't want anybody in my home working a whole week. Like it's, it's intrusive. Um, you know, I like to be at my home with my family and I don't just like random people in the home. Uh, and I understand that. And so I want to try to be as discreet as possible. Um, and I want to close off the area that I'll be working in, uh, make sure that no dust is getting on your couch so that at night when I'm gone, you can still enjoy your couch. Uh, yeah, there's a big plastic room behind you. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, hey, the windows are locked inside, Mr. Customer. The door, I locked the door to the backside of the area. If you need anything out of the refrigerator, I took the plastic off for you tonight. Just make sure that you're, you you know, you wear flip-flops or something. It's like that type of thing, that type of customer, uh, conversation with the customer so that they don't get dust on their carpet throughout the house. Hey, I put a drop cloth out. Just leave your shoes. If you go get, go to the refrigerator, um, you know, it's, it's, it's that type of detail. So I'm thinking, I'm thinking three steps ahead of the customer to make sure that their experience is, you know, it's, it's as discreet and less intrusive as at least intrusive as possible. I mean, Caleb, I, I'm obviously a huge fan of your work and I literally get to see the finished product of what you do on a daily basis. I think many people in our audience who are looking to spruce up their kitchen or just give their home that update but don't want to do that full renovation product, there's really not a better solution than what you offer. So thank you so much for being our guest this week. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, Jeremy. I appreciate well, it. If anyone's looking to go ahead and spruce up their kitchen, please reach out to Caleb. His work, I mean, I can say from firsthand, it's amazing. We'll be back next week with another episode of the View Charlotte Real Estate and Entertainment Podcast.